Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a huge episode, episode 10 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, brought to you by CST Tires and hosted by me, Cody Jansen. I told you we had a big one coming tonight as we're joined by the biggest names in ATV motocross. All three members of Team USA will join us to talk some quad cross of nations action. Chad Weenan, Thomas Brown, and Joel Hetrick all coming on tonight. So pumped about that. Um, I want to dive right in, but first, we have to thank our sponsors who assist us in bringing you this awesome content. First and foremost, thanks to our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com. The Pulse MXR tire is the best tire on the market, no matter what the terrain. Join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Thank you, SSI Decals. SSI Decals is a key contributor to Team USA's winning efforts and the brand responsible for all of Team USA's fire apparel. SSI Decals riders also swept the AMA ATV Pro podium at every national event this year. If you don't use SSI Decals, you won't win, nor will you look good. Thanks to those guys. Thank you to DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. Team USA trusted DID's unrivaled chain quality and rivet clip all the way to victory in Germany. Wherever you go, go DID. Thank you, Namira Technologies. Namira, pistons with an attitude. Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market since 2001 with their wide array of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits. Visit your local dealer or online at namira.com. That's N-A-M-U-R-A, namira.com. And also a big thanks to Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been the industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. Whether it's electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, suspension parts or bearing kits, Bronco is your hard parts source when it comes to whatever you need for whatever you ride. BroncoATV.com Thanks to Forworks Carbon for their continued support. Their 2020 rider support period is still live, so act fast to join the Forworks Carbon team. Check out their social media pages or website to apply, and also check out featured products, discount specials, and more. I suggest anything Red Weave Carbon Fiber, like the hoods, gas tank covers, shock guards, exhaust guards, and number plates that I all run. So sick. Thanks, as always, to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the racetrack. When conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save at checkout, evanscoolant.com. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. Thanks to DP for allowing Joel Hetrick, myself, and so many other riders outbreak the competition every time we're on the racetrack. DP-Brakes.com. 
Thanks to Blenders Eyewear, whose life and forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for a more attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades on the market. BlendersEyewear.com Thanks to Oats Overnight. Life is hard. Make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your to-go breakfast in the morning. Overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods, perfect for athletes. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout, oatsovernight.com. Thank you, Mountaineer Brand. If you know me, you know I love my beard. That's why I treat it right with Mountaineer Brand's all-natural washes, oils, balms, and more. Use discount code CODYSFAVE in all caps. That's C-O-D-Y-S-F-A-V in all caps. Cody's fave at mountaineerbrand.com. And thanks to 100% and their new Armega Goggle, unparalleled performance for the modern racer. From our new partners to our original sponsors, thanks for your support of this podcast and making this dream a reality for both us and our listeners. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands in the industry, so better your riding experience and your lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. If you love the show, the best thing you can do is support our sponsors. Also, if you're interested in becoming a show sponsor, shoot me an email or a message for more details today. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. And now, I'm so pleased to introduce your three-time defending Quad Cross of Nations champions. It's Team USA, hot off their win in Germany. These three men need no introduction, but we'll give them one anyway. Brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain with Rivet Link, we welcome to the show Captain America, Chad Weenan. We also have, brought to you by Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Mr. Quad Cross of Nations himself, Thomas Brown, thanks for joining us. And finally, brought to you by Namira Technologies, the champ, Mr. Joel Hetrick. So stoked to have the three of you on tonight. So before we dig too deep, I just want to mention that we were also supposed to have Harv Whipple tonight, who, for those of you who don't know, has played a key role since forming the American effort and throughout these three successful years. But he was wiped following the Monster Cup, so though he couldn't join us, on behalf of all of us here, I just want to give him some well-deserved credit. He's a guy we're all very grateful for. You know, you guys have had a couple of weeks now to reflect on the Germany trip, Quad Cross of Nations as a whole, and the three-peat that um, you achieved over there. So let's relive this thing. Um, kind of taking it from the top, um, whoever wants to take it, talk about some of the challenges and putting together the American effort, um, you know, for the event and, you know, basically like, it seems like it takes a whole year to kind of prep for this thing. So just talk about that whole process a little bit again, whoever wants to take it. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, the, the biggest part is, is it's months ahead. We got to start prepping and just like once you're elected to be a part of it and we have all talked like, all right, who's going like, and once I was finally, you know, elected to go and was asked and accepted, it's a lot of work right away. Uh, the bikes that got to get built, I sent two bikes this year and I had to get bikes built to finish up the last two races here. And that's the biggest thing is not the parts, but you lose your race bike, which in this case, I lost my next practice bike and my backup race bike so i jumped right in i built a new race bike to race loretta's and ironman on because bikes had to leave directly at red bud so after red bud i went back with the baldwins finished up the two bikes that are going overseas and then finished up my bike for loretta's and man it's a ton of work 
And then the overhead on top of that is pretty big because, I mean, this year was a little less for me because I sent two bikes, but same time, you know, I mean, just on and on. We don't get in our normal trailer there with all our standard parts, so you got to take that trailer and pull it out. And so obviously, for those parts, have them at the next race, it's it's huge. And I mean, me Chad's done two bikes for the last couple of years. I did the two bikes this year, and then luckily, me and Chad coordinated with like, all right, if we have some huge catastrophe or something go really bad, both me and Yamaha's, we could start sharing some stuff with that spare bike. And the last two years or the last three years, we've done that, and then Joel this year with building two of those hybrids was, I can't imagine what that team had to go get that handled, just building two one-off bikes just to get ready. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say it, it came down to the wire with getting the bikes built. Honestly, it was like just uh, on probably a few days before the race where, uh, you know, not before the race, before the container had to be, you know, locked up that we had the bikes fully done and, you know, graphics on them, this and that. So it really came down to the wire for the Phoenix on the team and, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to get it done with two awesome machines that you know did us very well over there. For sure. The one question that like kind of comes to mind for me is are companies like extra happy to help companies that you work with because of what you're doing or is it kind of more on your dime or how does that work as far as like, you know, I mean, it is a, it is a, a big expense to go do this. So yeah, there's uh there's a lot of companies that really do kick in a lot to our efforts and go above and beyond of doing like special one-off stuff for our for that event and you know kind of without them, I mean, I think we'd be in trouble. Uh there's you know there's a lot of sponsors that do sponsor the team for this event and not necessarily us individuals, so those guys also kick in as well to really make the wheels turn and um yeah, it's it's special, you know, to, going to that event and having special stuff on your machine, special stuff you're wearing. Like it really lets us represent our country and you know, the best way that we can and look very professional doing it. Yeah. I have always thought that, you know, it's pretty special how the ATV motocross community seems to like really come together for the event um, to kind of help do their part to contribute. Like even, you know, the rest of the series riders and, um, you know, I think that there's like more of a togetherness since you guys started doing this, not even just between you three and, or, you know, Jeffrey, when he was a part of it, but the whole community, our whole series, our whole sport, this seems to be a little bit more together. And then, you know, to kind of piggyback off of that, I think that, um, you know, you guys have like brought out more of a, a patriotism in the ATV motocross community, which I think is something you know, that obviously makes us all proud, but it's something that is kind of like the way it should be. It's just, you know, I think you see like more star spangled banners, more red, white, and blue stuff at the races. And that's thanks to you guys. No, it's, uh, it's definitely cool. And the support we get from the ATV community is unreal. I mean, I guess the biggest thing is, is the riding schools do huge, uh, help to help that we use to raise money to get over there to get equipment over there you know it's a big expense those are very expensive schools a lot of people come support them but the walnut one this super successful and then the redbud one was great but we got out and there were still multiple families like yeah we'll pay full price for y'all just to sit here and talk to us we know we're not going to get on the track they're like we just want to support team usa 
they're like, yes, it's great that y'all get to help our kids or help our significant others or who are, or help us out. But all them people were like, the biggest reason here is we want to show our support to y'all to go over there and win again. And that's, that's super cool. And then throw on top of that, the tracks and all the promoters are like, every time we've asked, they're like, yeah, we can do it. You know, it's, they're, I think every time we've asked, they've given us a track for free. So it's, you know, that's a lot of work on them. The day before a race, they're giving a track up to, for us to destroy. It's the whole community, everyone, the promoters, the track owners, to the racers in it, jump in. And we need every support we can get because it's, it's a big adventure. And I'll tell you one thing, with Mark and Hart and the whole team, is everybody does their job to the fullest. And it's it's a full-on effort. Like when you we're going there to win, not just go in there to, I mean, I guess do our best is one way to look at it, but it's, it's, it's an effort that's no, not matched. Like we're going there to try to be as prepared as we can be. And it's hard with, you know, basically three teams pitting out one 40 foot container. Yeah, I was, and we'll get to that later, but that's, that's craziness in itself. So um, again, that's kind of exactly what I was getting at is that everybody kind of tries to do their part and um, the support of the whole community is behind you guys. So kind of, um kind of setting the stage to talk about the event itself like as a country what is germany like and particularly the area where the event is being held um for all of us that haven't been kind of tell us about the area there and um not the track so much we can go into that next but the that area itself um i guess i can take it it was kind of like a, a small area kind of we were in a secluded i don't know if you'd even call it a neighborhood but uh when we first pulled up, we went to like an apartment complex and we were in the wrong spot. And uh, luckily, you know, there's some neighbors that pointed us in the right direction, I think. But um, it, it really was a nice area. It was great scenery, um, and a lot of forest. And it, it was just kind of reminded me of where I live at, just out in the, for, you know, wilderness, basically. But it was really cool to, to be there and travel through it every day to the track. It was like a 30 minute commute. And, uh, you know, Thomas drove every day. So, it was nice for me just to look around and get to um, experience, you know, where I'm at. Yeah, I'll follow that up. Uh, is that it was like day one with me and Brandy are in the car and we're leaving Berlin and we're starting to get out into the country more towards the track. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm just in PA. Like the landscape really similar to that. So I think Joel nailed it on the head. I felt like the landscape and stuff was, you know, awfully similar to PA, which is, you know, obviously beautiful country up there, but it, uh, it was definitely, you know, smaller towns, like just little towns here and there track was only like not even a mile from like this little like neighborhood town kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's really pretty country, but I mean, it's, it's similar to, you know, the Northeast. Uh, at some point we kind of felt at home, uh, like the, or I did at least is in the environment that compared to when we were in Italy, it didn't seem in Italy, it seemed like we we're in a different country, but here it seemed a little bit more like home when you look outside. I see. I see. So, um, and then when you guys got there, I picked up on that it was that it had been raining or raining for a number of days, right? That first week? It never stopped raining. <laughs> no, like from the time we got there until I think Sunday was the first day that it didn't rain at all. At some point, every day it rained, and it was just gloomy the entire time uh, until Sunday. And the Sunday turned out – Saturday afternoon and Sunday turned out to be beautiful. Okay, so 
Okay. So then that kind of leads me right into the talking about the track then, because, um, you know, all that rain and saturation obviously had its effect on the track. So it was sandy in some spots. It seemed like there was less sand in other spots, but, um, it was relatively limited on the, the obstacles. Um, but then again, the ruts in themselves were an obstacle. So talk about your thoughts on the track there. Yeah, the, the, the track itself, like, had a really cool, like, layout. I think it had a ton of potential. Like, when we got there, they really hadn't prepped it a whole lot, like, get, getting it ready. And they tried to do, uh, like, a, a sort of a prep on would have been Friday night, I think. And we got there and I mean, it's rained, it rained again Saturday night too. So like the track took on a lot of water and they just kind of let us ride it all weekend. And the track was pretty beat and sketchy in a lot of spots. So you had to pretty much ride very tense the whole time because you never knew which way your your machine's going to grab and go and you know it's <laughs> going down some of those straightaways you're bouncing off of rut to rut and hopping out of ruts and it's it's a pretty wild ride and I felt uh I felt like I felt like I was very in control but I went down twice that weekend so like I don't know I had uh, some weird experiences but uh luckily it didn't beat me up too bad that you know it that last moto was pretty tough for me, but, uh, you know, I liked it in a, in a manner of how rough it was and how you had to move around in the track a lot to find a good line. And that like, I'm, I feel like it's fun. That's fun to me, but a lot of the jumps were just like double faced and the lanings were very weird too, where a lot of the sidecars weren't jumping a lot of the jumps. So they'd land on top of the jump and then they would land at the bottom of the landing. They'd build this weird, like kicker at the bottom that sometimes you could jump over it and sometimes you you really couldn't so but yeah all all in all they just basically let us ride the track and didn't really do a lot of maintenance yeah yeah not very often are we going to see you crash twice in one weekend so um yeah the live broadcast did no justice uh to what the track looked like i mean i was watching it and it didn't look that rough and uh then when i when gloops uh footage came out this week i was uh looks like a totally different track totally different event so um so what so compare it to thomas and chad compare it to last year and how it compared to the the sand track that you guys dealt with last year at the 2018 quad cross of nations yeah i've i've thought about that a lot because i was like man like i left last year like so that was like like the weirdest track I'd ever rode. It was like a slot car track all the way around it, and it got it got somewhat rough. And definitely that last moto is was really rough last year, the one I ended up breaking in. But I didn't. Every time I went out, it seemed like the track was prepped. So, but even then, like they would do a little bit more prepping each day, and then the ruts were fairly smooth, and the track was really slow. So, like even coming in this year, we're like we were talking about beforehand, like looking at videos of the track, like man, it's gonna be faster. So we don't think it's gonna be as rutted, but. It got just as rutted, but this year's track was twice as fast, and the roughness was the most extreme roughness I've ever seen with ruts. Like it was, 
unreal. So, like, comparing to last year, the ruts were deep, but this year's were just as deep, if not deeper, but way more – had way more speed and way rougher. It just really extreme. I mean, I remember coming off the site lap for the second moto, and I pull up behind Joel, and I'm like, that's unreal. Like, I that is the gnarliest track. And Mark Baldwin's there, and he's like, "There's is it, like, rougher than, like, a Redbud or, like, a Texas at the end of the day? I said, we could ride – with the nastiest tilled up stuff at Red Butter, you know, Texas for a month and we wouldn't get it that rough. Like it was just like, I can't even explain it. Like I've never came off the site lap and been like scared to go fast on lap one. That was just like, not really scared of the track, but scared of having to go fast and trying to remember every kicker. Cause they weren't in the same spots. Like it was just every time you hit the track, there was a different rut and the rut that was fast. The last moto was gone. Like, we found this awesome line in Moto 1. I told Joel about it, and I'm like, dude, it's sick. Just go all the way to the outside right here. Chad showed me it, and it was so smooth the whole Moto. And the time we got out there after the sidecars between it for Moto 2, I went out there in the sight lap and about got stuck. It just, from marker to marker, the track was just nasty. I've never seen where, like, the corners were – one rut after another rut after another rut after another rut off the way from the inside to the outside. Like you never see that here. So do you credit it? Like, was it the dirt makeup or was it the sidecars or what made it so bad? Or was it just lack of not grooming it? I, my opinion, I think it's uh, the sidecars obviously do a lot of the damage. And then the other part is that all the quads over there, as the sidecars do the damage, they all go to these bigger tires trying to get advantage over the next guy. And they're running like 23-inch fronts and rears. And they're these just big, like, balloon tire things. And it, it just allows them to keep digging down. But if they all ran normal tires, like, you kind of fill back in the sidecar ruts somewhat. But when they go to those big tires, I think that's kind of what really eats it away is that just as the track gets rougher, they just go to bigger and bigger tires instead of just kind of riding it and figuring it out. So did you guys run big tires all weekend, or how did you navigate that? Yeah, we, we ran big tires uh, for the most part every time we were on the track. Thomas tried it one practice, was it? Yeah, it, and, uh, we heard it was prepped, not prepped. Yeah, well, we were banking on a nice prep job. It looked really nice from, like, when we walked up on the sideline. It was real smooth, and we're like, oh, man, this is it. Thomas put him on, went around the track, couldn't even barely move. It was – he was getting stuck everywhere. Like, it, it wouldn't have – no way the whole entire weekend we couldn't have ran smalls. Remember yeah. that lap time, though, right? The last, last moto? Yeah. No, no, that lap time in that morning qualifying or morning practice. Oh, yeah. He I'll, put down a burner. Yeah. What was it, almost four minutes? <laughs> almost four minutes. I think I was a minute off your, your pace. It was solid. <laughs> minute a lap, not bad. No, no, I got this. <laughs> So the little tires were not ideal, in fact. <laughs> thanks, thanks for resting assured on the, the decision of that, you know. Like, it made us try it at least, right? <laughs> I went up the first hill. It was all smooth. And I'm like, oh, it's, this is going to be a blast. Finally on 18s for one practice. And I go over the first little jump, and I come, like, on the backside. And it, I could tell they hadn't touched it. Literally, the only spot they touched was where we could see from the pits, and the rest was not even touched. And I was, like, going from, like, like – I wasn't going straight down the track at any point. I would go 
like right side and I'd see like a little patch and I'd go across the rust to the left. And this is down straightaway. So the whole time I'm looking back, I, I, I just gave up. Like I had to do two or three laps just to pre-stretch my train chain for the motos because I put a new one on. And I was like, I got to do a few laps to get it broken. Otherwise, I would just come back to the pits. There was <laughs> – you couldn't even go around the track in any speed. Jeez. But, again, you guys were the only ones running the XC-style tire, I'm assuming. Yeah, so it's the same thing that we talked about before. So, um, so you know, that kind of leads, like, you talked about the weather and how the rain affected kind of the way the track developed and stuff. But did that also keep you from doing any riding or testing after you first got over there? Did you do any riding prior to the event? No, no. And for me, honestly, I think I was in the worst position. Um, just because the bikes that we sent over, we built in such a timely, like a, a, it was quick. So we rushed the projects and they weren't done for me to ride before the event. So they got sent over. And I'm like banking on this test day to ride them. Didn't even pull the race bike out to ride it. And then we get, you know, Saturday morning, um, I ended up, you know, riding. I think I rode both of them that day, but ended up being perfect. But it was just still stressful for me not to get that test day in because of the weather. And we could have rode, but at the same time, it's like we would have created a bunch of work for the mechanics. And it just, I didn't feel like we really needed to, honestly. Yeah, the 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 benefits didn't outweigh the, the hassle or putting your bike through that, uh, that kind of, you know, um, abuse, but that's exactly why I asked because you know I didn't know. I mean, if that would have been my biggest worry, if you're riding a machine that hadn't been shaken down or, you know, tested, ridden a little bit, um, you know, that would have been my biggest worry. So when I saw that you guys didn't think you were going to be able to do any riding, um, that was kind of the first thing that came to mind. So I guess the next is the qualifying day, which each of you guys won your respective moto. So um, kind of ask each of you what stood out about a qualifying race there and qualifying day as a whole. We'll start with Chad cause he would have been the first one. So, um, but was that the day you had a get off before even the qualifying race, right? In the morning qualifier yeah, or something? Yeah. I, uh, the morning practice, I, I got like, I sided across the rut and went down. Uh, Joel got a front row seat to that, but uh, I just the morning was super wet, and uh, I feel like I ate roost all weekend. And it's just my starts were not there, so I I struggled a little a lot with my starts being. We had to start in first gear, just being with the the bigger tires and the exhaust being the way that it was and the fuel. It's a lot, lot different than what our machines run back home here. And we had to start in first gear. I got the front horse hole shot. I missed the gear then. In the and, in the qualifying in the qualifying race. In the qualifying race, I missed the gear there, and uh, I was able to recover really quick and get back. Uh, I think I came around the first turn in like sixth or seventh and just started picking people off. There's, I mean, there's people going everywhere. If you can imagine a track that we were riding on with the ruts and the bumps and there was pretty much one really good solid line. So if you got out of that line and it was pretty soft and uh, luckily I was able to make passes and move my way to the front and 
uh, I don't know what, when I made the pass for the lead, but it felt like my machine weighed like a hundred extra pounds after I was done. It was just so heavy and it was, it took a toll on, on like throughout the whole moto, even though it was a 20 plus two moto, but, um, I knew that, uh, come Sunday, if the conditions didn't get better and my starts didn't get better, that it was going to be another like hard day of r- r- racing, uh, being under those conditions, being so wet, but came out of there with a good qual- qualifying uh, position with the win and kind of set our tone for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. I didn't realize that, um, that the fuel and exhaust changes and stuff like that made enough of a difference to start in first gear. I never even, never even crossed my mind. So that's interesting. Um, so Thomas, you were the second moto and, uh, you took that thing pretty much wire to wire. Right. So tell us about that. Yeah, no, my, my whole weekend was, you know, uh, I guess uneventful, but yeah, qualifying went good. Same thing with Chad is we kind of did the, so you do practice in the morning on Saturday qualifying day and then they have a 10 minute start practice after the practice and both i mean i pulled up there next to chad he did a start like normal his bike bogged and then you're like i gotta clutch it out mine did the same thing so we both switched to first gear start and it ripped i'm like all right so i went to the line the qualifier did first gear start but i actually didn't get a like like my start was not good coming through the gate but luckily i had the inside and was able to kind of bully my way into the inside and out of the first turn and then able to seal it off in the second turn so basically we got the start and then led from there the first two laps i really just rode pretty slow like not slow but wasn't jumping a few things because the landings were just nasty like even by this point my track was a lot drier than chad's but the sidecars had now done a race out there and it was there was weird stuff on all the landings and I couldn't remember where to go on some stuff. But I didn't jump a lot of things for the first two laps and then kind of slowly got into it. But, you know, lap three and four, I put a drop the hammer a little bit and then just kind of rode it out. So it was, it was a smooth race and really everything went good. It was just, like I was trying to be super careful pretty much every time I went out and that it started on qualifying day. It was just getting through those first couple of laps to get into the next moto. But, you know, good starts and it wasn't like, it wasn't a great start for what I would like to feel, but it came out and worked out good. So, I, you know, at that point too, as I know that we had two first place, so we sealed up, you know, uh, he won uh, for the next day on all the gate pick stuff. And I remember like last two mo- laps, I was kind of like just a cruise control and big storm was rolling in. And we were even talking about, when we got back to the trailers, like, oh, it starts pouring out, like just, pull off don't even worry about staying out there because it was nasty but it was good you know i was stoked on the you know to get the seal up that win and you know take the stress off the whole team yeah because after two motos right then you had you had clinched first gate pick right yep yeah so was that um was starting in first gear already on your radar like is that something that you've done at the other events or this is a new thing no, it was a new thing for me. Uh, and honestly, the last moto, I finally went back to my regular start. And I think the qualifying start practice after qualif- or after like after the qualifying time deal or the practice, it messed me up. I think the clutches were hot. The bike weighed a lot. 
And honestly, my last start was finally perfect and uh, of the weekend, but I finally went back to a second gear start. And I think it kind of messed with my head a little bit is not to trust it. Yeah, it's not as powerful as it is. The bikes aren't as powerful as they are here, but it was – it messed up with my whole shift points and everything in the first two races. And that's kind of why I was okay with trying it on that last one. Gotcha. That makes total sense when you guys do thousands and thousands of starts. In second gear, it would be weird to go back to first. So um, then, yeah, Joel, you were the third one. And um, what was it like for your first moto back since missing the event last year? Um, tell us about it. No, it was pretty stressful for me. Um, you know, going into Saturday, we got online blue showed us our gate picks and it turned out that I had last gate pick from my qualifying race back row. So I was pretty, you know, stressed out for a little bit. I'm like, this is going to be a tough race. But uh, at the same time, you know, them two had already won their motos. So I was like, I just got to go ride, get comfortable on the bike. Really. Um, Obviously I wanted to win uh, just to, you know, prove a point, I guess. And just obviously love racing and winning. So I went out, um, got a decent start really i think i came around the first turn in fifth maybe and then uh i I don't know i could ride this track really well for some reason like i i opened up lines that i normally wouldn't be able to do at the nationals i feel like but i was just all over the place um finding lines and making passes really quick which uh got me to the lead in that qualifying race on the first lap and then i just maintained like a, a smooth it was a fast pace. The rider behind me from Germany, he was a good rider. Um, but I just maintained a, a pace that, you know, kept me a little bit ahead of him each lap and um, brought her home for the, the third win of the day. Awesome. Yeah, you guys completed the perfect day there. So it's set up, uh, obviously, for, you know, for good gate picks on Sunday. And um, you guys all had to be feeling pretty good about it. So, you know, race day comes along. We're all up in the middle of the night here to catch the races. And, uh you know, there at the track, I saw on the Rip It Up Films video that, you know, it was foggy and cold. And um, did that kind of bring, like, a flashback to the first year when they, they cut that event short because of the weather? Uh, I mean, I just it was just like, like motocross and nations. Like, you, it's really later in the year, and the weather is usually pretty cold. And... Um, just watching a lot of those races, like you never know what kind of weather you're going to get. And it kind of proved itself for us of being cold, foggy, kind of miserable and like mist, almost like a mist too. Like you, when we were circulating in practice, you had to, I mean, I was wearing roll-offs, but you had to at least pull your roll-offs a couple times a lap just to make sure you could still see. And that was like, really uh difficult because there's bumps everywhere and you had to try and remember where they all were and you're trying to get loose on the machine and get warmed up for the day and uh it was just like man like tough conditions that would have been very tough conditions to race in right there just being how cold it was and foggy misting like a lot of uh tough tough factors right there and know luckily later in the day it turned into a beautiful day sun came out and we were able to start racing on time yeah that's good i thought i saw on somebody's on one of yours uh social media accounts it was like 
it was like freezing when you guys left the house, wasn't it? It was like zero degrees Celsius, the, the car said or something. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I thought that's what it said. So, yeah, it's like Wisconsin weather. Um, so I had heard, and I think I even said something about it on on the social media account for the for the podcast. But somebody had I had caught that somebody was saying that Thomas was sick. But then I saw Joel say on Rip It Up Films video that he wasn't feeling that good either. Maybe so. Was that like something that was going around, or was it not as serious? Sounded, or how was that? Oh, it it was going around. Uh, I had I had brought medicine because I was just getting off of sickness, and I don't know if I gave it to everyone or not. Feel really bad if I did, but I at least had medicine to back everybody up. Here you go, got some uh, airborne, some Nyquil. I had I had a setup, but you know, Mark got sick, Thomas was sick. I think Chad was feeling pretty crappy at the end of Sunday, maybe, and you know, it could have been just from the cold weather and getting up so early into that crap it was it was honestly miserable every morning but um you know it afternoon 50 degrees it, it felt like you know 80 so we were we were okay with that but uh yeah we were definitely getting sick yeah i thought i could hear it literally in your voices when i caught some of the videos and stuff so uh yeah that weather can definitely have that effect and kind of along the same you know kind of subject it's something that i thought about the more i thought about it and i haven't even thought about this in past years but um, you guys are riding out of like, like a box, you know, you don't have a rig, you don't, you guys can't separate, you don't have some place to get warm or go relax or anything like that. So, um, talk about like what pitting out of that box. Cause essentially you just have a box and some easy ups. Um, talk about that. Cause that's not something you're used to based on how a normal event is for you guys. That, uh, the definitely being in the, the container is pretty much like an ice chest. It's, it's freezing in the morning and the floor is cold and you, it's hard to really warm up. Like when we went out for practice, like you got warm and you come back and you hold sitting there and it's, it's pretty tough conditions, but I mean, we all know that we're there to do a job and everybody's, I mean, a lot of the riders there don't have like big RVs to go into either. They're pretty much out of the easy up tent too and out of a sprinter van. So, I mean, it kind of brings us back to like our roots of, you know, going to these races and driving there in the morning and only having a pickup truck. And, you know, I mean, we get, we get pretty pampered here at the races that we do here in the U S but I mean, that just shows that we're pretty tough dudes that, you know, whatever is thrown at us and, you know, we're, we're able to make adjustments and work together and, um, I kind of had us talking to Thomas today and, uh, how, like, I kind of took over the back of the, um, the container with my chair and everything. And I kind of sit by myself back there and Thomas and Joel are like out front. And then Jeffrey last year was out front with Thomas too. And I was like, man, like that kind of gives me a little bit of like separation. Like I'm back there by myself at times I can get ready and focus and, there's always like people in and out of the container, like talking about different things and you can kind of take, take yourself away from all the chatter and really focus. And uh, Thomas was like, man, like I'm up there with everybody else and everybody's talking and like, I can't focus so well. And 
I'm like, well, maybe next year we can put a chair up next to mine and you can be up on the table or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was – we like, he brought that up today and we were just talking about it and I was like, it, it you know, I, I'm a people person. I do not mind being around people at all and I'm not bad about getting undressed or anything of that manner. But, man, like when you're kind of getting ready for the moto, it's – like that's kind of like you kind of start getting focused. And, man, like – I mean, I remember like just trying to put my pants on and stuff like – and, you know – I'm getting ready for the motos. So the mechanics are going back and forth, like getting fuel ready. And you got to think there's two mechanics that are racing at a time. So they're double the people going in and out of like a race trailer. Man, it, it it gets pretty good. And like you're constantly having to jump back and forth. And luckily, Brandy kind of kept me organized. Otherwise, I probably would have been that. But it's it, that part is tight because it's, I mean, at the races, I get ready in the back of the trailer sometimes, but then I only have my mechanic. But if it was too busy in there, I'd just go to the motorhome. And these guys, I'm sure, both get ready in their motorhomes. It's it's different for sure. I mean, it's great that we got this group atmosphere minus Chad up front, but it's uh, <laughs> we uh, we all we all we all make it work. I mean, it's it, it's super good. But I mean, at the same time, I think if we all had our own motorhomes, I don't think we would be as fast. As I think that's kind of the key part to the container is it's something that I said this year about the dirt bikes. And I think they kind of did it is that, I mean, I don't know how many times, like, yeah, we all met like a came off the track and talked, but then we would forget about something. And as we're changing, getting undressed or getting dressed, we're talking to each other and constantly giving tips. And I mean, the coolest thing for me is I don't remember what Joel or Chad, I remember Joel going to chat and we're in the container and we're talking, I think after practice or something. And legitimately Joel was like, I found, awesome line on the inside i remember it now it's like the super tight inside he's like it's it's a little slow but man it saves our bike so much and he is telling me and chad this and i see him telling chad this and i'm like these two just duked it out for a championship all year like all the way to the last round and now he is literally giving him a tip on the track and that wouldn't happen if they went their motorhome because we would give a few tips and not that we wouldn't want to we just forget about it and then we're getting later it just doesn't come up and it's I think it's a huge part to our success because we are definitely out of our element there. Like not only just like personally wise, but on the track, it's different than anything we've ever seen year two and three. And I think that helped us a lot as being working as a team like that. That's just touch. Yeah. That's just touching on that togetherness, you know, that uh, like you had said, I think motocross of nations guys have missed that for a while and uh, they could definitely take, take some stuff from you guys and probably learn from it. But, um, yeah, so let's, let's talk some racing. So Sunday to moto one, um, that would have been Chad and Thomas, I believe. And, um, you know, I said it on social media, but Thomas, you bring your a game to the quad cross of nations every single year. So, um, you did it again. You grabbed the win in that first moto to kick off the day for the team. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, it's uh, I, I take this race very seriously, and this year was definitely my hardest to train for, um, knowing that we were going into the cold. And I came home the last two years. The first year, I was actually ended up being in PA, and Joel got to ride together. And then the second year, I got to ride with Chad. So that kind of gave me something to ride with. This year, just the way it worked out with Iron Man and everything like that is some stuff here at the house. I trained in Texas by myself, but. Our summer ran really long, and it was gnarly hot. But so getting into the first photo, like, I was kind of, you know, I worked hard for that, like, to get ready for it. 
and the heat training was gnarly. Now we get to the race and it's super cold, and I was definitely sick that Sunday morning, but honestly, I felt the best when I was on the track, so that worked out great. But yeah, I, I always try to get us out there, and luckily, with the way the motos worked out, because I was second moto as well as the team gave me first gate pick, so Chad was on the second row, and I was able to squeeze out the start. I still did the first gear start in that moto, so I just barely got Actually, I got second out of the whole shot, almost made the pass in the second turn, got knocked almost into the mechanics area, and fell into second, and then kind of worked my way, like, within half a lap, got into the lead. Uh, kind of did the same thing that I did qualifying, as I put a kind of slower lap in, and then each lap got a little faster until I got my gap. Uh, but lap three or four, I would say, I started getting pit boards, 44 in the pits, I thought it said, or 44 out. And I'm like, oh, no. So, like, I need to go put smooth laps in, trying to figure out where he's at. And I'm going to say, you know, it's 25 plus two, so they're long motos. Towards the end, I finally fought Chad. And I see him coming through. And the guy that I was racing with at the beginning that knocked me in the mechanics area, like, he was riding me pretty aggressive. And I see Chad coming through at the end. And I'm, like, so stoked. I'm like, I don't know where he went, but he's coming back. So, like, it's getting me relived for the moto, and I'm – but now I'm like, Chad, like, watch that guy. Like, I, we don't know these guys good, and they're all super nice, but, like, we all know how to race each other. Like, somebody will run you into a corner hard. This guy won't. And this guy likes to push around a little bit, which is – I'm fine with racing that way. It's just you don't know who's going to do it and who doesn't. And I'm like, all right, get by him, get by him clean. And I'm, I'm now not even focusing as probably good as I should have. I'm just watching Chad. So, at the end of the moto, I was able to watch Chad get in second and then we had a few laps till the end and slowed down in that last lap so that we could uh you know go across the finish together but uh you uh i just had to slow down where you could fought, finish right behind me because the ruts were too deep to actually get side by side but man it was the race went uneventful for me i pulled my roll off like we ran roll offs because we sand was so bad and only thing i did is pull the one tear off in front of my roll off and my race was uneventful after the second or after the first half a lap but it went smooth chad's was definitely the uh the workhorse in that moto. yeah that was kind of cool that um that you mentioned kind of crossing the finish line together it brought back some memories of 30 years ago motocross of nations you know um so i was wishing that somebody was i haven't seen a picture of that moment yet but i was hoping somebody was going to get a picture of that so yeah you uh you set the tone for the day there, and um, then you kind of mentioned watching Chad race up through the pack. Uh, that happened because Chad suffered his second crash of the weekend there. So, Chad, take us through, you know, what you're thinking when you're flipping your quad back onto its wheels again after you suffered that that digger there at the beginning of the moto. I was just very surprised on, like, how I went down and, like, the conditions in that turn were not too bad at the time. Uh, but I just came in there and lost the rear end and couldn't recover it and ended up on the ground. I got smashed pretty hard from my machine and got my leg beat up pretty bad. And at the time I didn't feel it. So, I mean, I, mean, I was able to jump right back on and it took me a little bit to get my kill switch back in and I got back going and I think I crossed the finish line in 18th at this point. Um, I think we were on like lap, we were pretty early in the race, like lap three or four. And the, uh, 
I was like, all right, we got a long race ahead. And like, I couldn't see Thomas. I couldn't, I mean, I knew he was up front. I, I, I just pretty much put my head down and just went to work and tried to get myself back up to the front and made, you know, a lot of passes and like made passes in groups. And like, you just like riding with these guys. You, I mean, like Thomas said, you don't know what, where these guys are going to go and how they commit to the line. And like a lot of the times they'll be crossing from one side of the track to the other, just to hit a line. And you could be cruising up alongside of them and all of a sudden they're in your line right in front of you. And so, I mean, I, I passed people pretty cautiously and just tried to make sure that I didn't cause any more like havoc on our, on our team by getting together with somebody else or, and I was able to get my way to the front and with a couple laps to go, uh, got up to second and the past, the, the battle that I had with, uh, the guy that was in second from the Netherlands, he was, uh, like Thomas dealt with him early on in the race. And this guy was, he didn't mind throwing his machine around and, you know, putting it in your way and making contact and everything. And, you know, it's just, uh, just the way that he rides, which is fine. But, um, I was able to make uh, a good pass on him and create a gap and get up with Thomas. And, you know, we, we cruise across the finish line one, two, and I mean, that's the best start to any of the, any of the nations that we've had. So we were very pumped with the outcome there. Yeah, that was um, an impressive ride, obviously to, you know, to fight through the pack there. Um, I was worried for a split second cause you did take a pretty good lick um, you know, so I was worried for a split second, just hoping that you were going to get up. And, um, you mentioned that leg kind of being a little messed up. And I saw the picture of it that you posted on your Instagram after the day after the races there. Um, Thomas wanted me to ask you how that thing was feeling going up and down the stairs. Huh. Yeah. Uh, definitely going down the stairs. It hurt a lot. There's a lot of stairs in Greece. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah it was pretty pretty miserable for that point and like during the race I didn't feel it at all on in the first moto and throughout the day I think it I think I would have been better off if I was moto one and moto two because as the day went on it really started to get tight and but I mean I mean what do you do you just got to try and keep it mobile and uh I mean i we made it happen. I know that. So, yeah, it definitely it, it'll tighten up uh, the more it sits. It's not anything you're worried about, right? It was just a like an impact yeah. mark or something. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty heavy impact. I don't like it didn't bruise or anything. It just got swollen. So I don't know. Like I still feel it a little bit here and there, like on my IT band. But like, yeah, I mean it's getting better, and I'm able to. I'm pretty close to 100 percent back. Good, good. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, you salvaged that thing and you guys went one, two. It was, like I said, that was a pretty cool image there to, at the finish of that race. And, um, you know, then kind of transitioning then leading right up to Moto2, there was a quick turnaround, turnaround time for Thomas there. And, um, Joel was now in there for Moto2. So, um, you know, you guys were basically one, two, like, right away and for 
um, our listeners here, just a reminder that, you know, one rider's got to be on the first row. There's a rider on the second row. So to come out one, two, basically right away, um, saying it's impressive would be underselling it. So talk about that, uh, that one, two start there and how that led to a kind of moto where you guys were just able to kind of do your own thing. It was, uh, it was definitely a good moto. I mean, I had a, re- I was on the front row. Thomas on the back row, prepped the gate real good for him, made it pristine. So I definitely think that helped. But, um, you know, I, pull, I pulled that first gear start. Like, I had a really good launch. And, um, I, you know, I kind of glanced over my shoulder as I'm sideways, and he's running into the side of me and noticed it was him. So I'm like, thank you. That, I'm glad it was Thomas rather than the other guys, you know. But um, I'm super pumped that he came out right behind me because it makes everyone's day a lot easier on Team USA when you uh, come out one, too. So, Definitely stoked on that. He had gone around me on the outside, the first outside line. Um, I went inside, just habit, protecting inside, and two-wheeled really bad. He had a better line, went right around me, and then, um, you know, I just had another line down the road that I went around him. And um, I think we just, honestly, that was a really bad moto, how it was the gnarliest to track. You know, we've seen it, I think. So I think we just kind of raced safely and, you know, didn't really push down hard laps because of the, the risk that was there. Yeah, uh, to kind of follow it up is that, yeah, my, my gate was uh, prepped prime, but I think we have a new hole shot king. I mean, covering the second row, as, uh, I, you know, I almost ripped that thing. But, no, seriously, though, is Joel, Joel had a great start. I finally went back to my second gear start, and my bike, my, my start finally felt good. And by the time I shifted into third, is I where when I shifted into third, I pulled up along the front row, which worked out great because Joel, you know, amazing start as he was, is he had already pulled in front of everybody and left that hole for me. And I pulled right up into everybody and was able to kind of push my way on the inside. And Joel, uh, I guess got a little sideways in the first turn. I don't remember what Joel did. All I knew is that I was kind of still fighting, to, you know, to get that into that second spot. And I had a push on a few people. And then when I looked up, Joel was, uh, sideways in front of me and I'm I'm running into him so it uh it luckily it all worked out as I kind of braked and Joel pulled out and then like I said the second corner I came down there and I didn't know Joel knew it was me that hit him so I was like you know what if I can get by him like show him that it's you like just pin it and you know let him see you know that so the rest of the lap he's not worried about somebody else getting underneath him and got by him and then he like you said he took a better line a little later down the lap and we it Going over there, it's not about who beats who. It's about USA going one, two. If, if I get second, that's a win in my books. And I think we all we all knew that going into the weekend. So is we didn't battle each other. It's worked out perfectly. Joel got back by me, which he sets a good pace, and I just kind of fell in. And uh, he he set a really mild pace, but it was perfect. Like, I was absolutely okay with it. The guy in third was – we were only pulling like a second or two a lap on him. Uh, and he was staying a little closer, and at one point we kind of evened out, and Joel had a couple seconds to me, and I was like, man, he's still a little closer than I'd like to me, and I put a little harder lap in, got back up to Joel, and then Joel put a hard lap in, and we kind of just set our goal from there, and Joel pulled a few seconds on me each lap, but it, it ultimately worked good. Like, my race was uneventful. That track was super gnarly, so just riding it safe. Uh, it's kind of funny is that I was talking to these guys, and Chad's running roll-offs, and putting 21 stacks tear-offs and we did goggle prep like I had like a I me I think I prepped four roll-offs and 
like five sets of tear-offs for the weekend because we thought we would have to pull in for goggles and just all kinds of stuff, not knowing what to expect. And I successfully pulled only three tear-offs in any of like all of my motos to get <laughs> first gate drop to the last. So that kind of shows where my whole uh, is my event. My race was uh, uneventful, and I, I will take that if I can do that all next season. That'd be even better. But man, it was it was perfect for me, and that's. Like I said, Joel set a great pace, and it was super cool to see us just one-two, just pulling our gap and doing what we needed to do. And, it, oh, man, to come across the finish line there at the end and be one-two and knowing that, you know, we, we were sitting great. It just, I mean, that feeling was awesome because now I'm done. And it's on these two guys, stresses off me. The last two years I've been the last moto, and it's kind of stressful. And at this point, like, I'm excited. Like I get to go watch these two go back out and man, it just, my, my relief was there, but the weird part was, is I had done what, what I needed to do basically. And now my job is to support these guys, but I can't celebrate yet. There's nothing to celebrate. We got to go finish the job. And, but the pressure wasn't on me. I was, like I said, I, that's probably the most excited I've been to watch a ATV cross in a really long time. So it was, for me, it was super cool. I was ready to watch third moto yeah i was gonna actually uh ask that um you know how you're feeling because with the second moto done the other guys aren't done yet but you're done you did the best you could have done had one two and and the two motos there and um kind of did your part and then sent the guys off to go do theirs so uh so yeah that had to be a kind of a weird feeling that you couldn't totally celebrate yet but you could celebrate on your own personal day so um did a hell of a job there for team USA. And like you kind of mentioned, even using your words there, that was probably the most uneventful moto of the, of the three. And then, um, you know, the, the third one was probably the hardest fought moto there of the, of the weekend for sure. So, um, you know, you guys had come into that one going one, two in the, in the first two motos, obviously. And, uh, you know, now it was Joel and Chad, Moto three and um you know you guys had to work for that one you know kind of or or maybe you guys kind of made yourselves have to work hard for that one hope you're enjoying our conversation with team usa we'll get right back to our interview but first a word from our sponsors and now please stand up and make some noise for our title sponsor cst tires CST Tires and their Pulse MXR Tire have completely overtaken the ATV market. Used by Thomas Brown to clinch a third straight Quad Cross of Nations title, by Nick Janusa as he dominated the Montreal Supercross, and myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to a 2019 national championship in the Junior 25 Plus class. The Pulse MXR Tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction most predictable cornering and superior wear characteristics than the competition. Join the takeover or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Check them out at csttires.com today. Anybody that I've gotten to try them, I've heard nothing but positive things back. SSI Decals is a name that is synonymous with ATV racing and synonymous with success. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. After making number plates and decals for riders like Chad Whedon, 
the company quickly took off. Today, you couldn't imagine ATP Motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker now supports all the top teams at ATP Motocross, as well as GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics, SSI decals. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 chain. This patented X-ring chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer chain life, making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick up an ATV2 chain today at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go with DID. We're pumped to bring on new partner, Namira Technologies. Since 2001, Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Namira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Namira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.namira.com. Namira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are also pleased to announce our partnership with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits, Bronco is your hard parts source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. We are also supported in part by Evans Waterless Power Sports Cooling. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans prevents overheating and boil over so you never have to worry about harming your engine or having a premature end to your ride due to overheating no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles, and more, use what the pros use. Upgrade to Evans today. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Danusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has goodies that'll make you salivate. I trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality, innovative parts to the market. Check them out today. Thanks for listening to that word from our sponsors. Now back to the show. 
So uh, talk about the near disaster there on the start and, um, you know, kind of the, the craziness that ensued there. So this information that has just been brought to my attention by Thomas Brown saying that he started the second moto he did in second gear and he did not tell me. Hold on. Hold on. I did not remember putting in second until I watched the video afterwards. I kept thinking about it. And literally until we saw the videos, I was like, I think I might have done second. Like that start was too good. And I watched the video intensely and I see myself shift up. So I hadn't confirmed that yet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I good, failed. Good I failed my one job. Yep. Good, good information shared. But yeah, um, I had first gate pick Joel's behind me and still struggling getting my machine into from first to second and <clears throat> missed the shift and Joel was committed right behind me and we got locked together. Like I thought that we would I'd be able to put my machine back in gear and get away from him and we were locked together, both of us had to get off the machine and get us get ourselves apart and shoot. These guys are already through turn two by the time we get going. And Joel gets out in front of me and I try to tag along with him. And we start catching guys within the first lap. We're already in the mix of everybody. And Joel is cutting his way through there like 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 a surgeon just flying through it and um I was trying to kind of match with him but I wasn't able to do it quite as well as he was and uh riders everywhere I mean there's 30 how many how many were on the track at one time is it 33 or 34 or something no it'd be 30 15 countries 30 30 30 total yep so I mean we're 20, well, I mean, 29, 28 coming out of there. So um, I just know I got to pass as many guys as I can. And we're about, uh, it was probably about close to the midway point, um, getting up inside the top 10. And uh, Kevin Saar was in front of me and he, I was trying to make my moves around him and I'm going into a rut and I'm one rut offset of him. And he gets cross-rutted, and his machine gets stuck in the middle of track, and I ended up sliding into him. And I have to get <clears> – <throat> I can't remember if I had to get off my machine or not, but we, I got undone. And Actually, I did have to get off my machine because I pulled it back, and I'm facing, I'm facing like 90 degrees in the track. And um, I, look, I look down the track, and I can't get back on the track – the only way I can get back on the track is to go down it backwards. And for about, I don't know, probably 20, uh, 20, not quite 20 yards, but probably 15 yards and then turn around and come back. So I, I, I'm right at the turn. So I just cross over like the, the spine of the, the turn and I carry on and I get going again. I lose, I lose several positions over it, but I get back going again. and start making passes I get up to third and I look ahead and I see uh that second um yeah can't remember his name but yeah guy from Netherlands he uh he's rolling along he's got a good good gap on me he's got about 15 17 seconds on me so I was like all right I'm gonna keep trying to hammer down and see if I can close the gap and 
at the finish, I get it down to, I don't know. I mean, it was probably around 10 seconds or so, 13 seconds. And um, by that time, I'm pretty spent. My legs hurting. I can't a lot of the, a lot of the sections I'm having to sit down because I can't hold my leg, I can't hold my weight up anymore, and so very difficult difficult uh, moto for for me and I know Joel as well because I know we put in some good heaters to get get up to the front and you know we I knew I knew that Joel was out front and I could spot him and man I don't know how he got up there so fast it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, it was a. Uh... It was a tough race from from the start, obviously, and the track was super rough still. But like I said earlier, for some reason, I could just ride that track really well and and find lines that I don't think the other riders were using, obviously, because they looked you know too deep or too rough, and um, I, I could just glide right through them for some reason. And it, you know, it's it's odd because that's the type of track that I would normally struggle with something like that. So for me to come from you know dead last basically to first within 15 minutes of the race I think it might even been less but um it was it was impressive to myself and I think I was just being a little careless honestly like my passes were maybe a little crazy at some point but most of the time I was passing two guys in a turn just because they would they would follow so close and you know one guy would get hung up and I had some really lucky passes that um you know I just went right around two to three guys and I'd blow by people on straightaways and like, you know, just, I was being a little careless, but at the same time, it was the last moto of the day. And at least I knew one of us had to get to the front, um, to, you know, secure the win. And I know how Chad is. He's a really, really smart rider. And, um, from, you know, what, what I seen all weekend, he could, uh, you know, diagnose the riders and, and then pass them where he needed to, rather than me was just normal, typical Joel, just wide open, trying to, you know, get it, get an advantage when I can. But um, it worked out, and I was super pumped. It was literally the funnest race I've had in a very long time um, going through all them people. So it was super, super cool, a really good feeling to do that. And, you know, when I, I could see Chad, I knew he was coming through the pack. Um, and then I saw him in third, and I'm like, you know, we're good. And no matter what right now, we were good. If I, you know, came off the bike or my bike stopped, he's in third. We were, we were set. That's what we thought until we got back and had found out you know, the other situation that we went through. Yeah. I mean, you had, you know, you ended up finishing one, one, you got all the way to the front there. Um, you know, so that was pretty impressive. You couldn't have had any other better day. Did I hear, did you get something special too for going one, one? Did I read that? Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, it kind of gave me a little teary eye there for a second. Cause, uh, you know, it was just, a, it was a special day for me in general, just, you know, because of what happened and what we went through and what I went through going, you know, through the pack so fast. I just, I was really, I don't know, I was really proud of myself to, to do that. You know, it's been, it was a tough track for me and I was wore, I was wore out, but um, to do that. And then, you know, that was a complete surprise to everyone. And it's kind of, it was kind of crappy. I felt bad, you know, for the guys because they, each one of us have went one, one there. And, um, you know, for me to get that trophy there the first time they did it, I was obviously so happy and, you know, emotional, but at the same time, it was kind of, it's kind of upsetting for them guys who didn't get that, you know, spotlight when, when they earned it. Okay. Well, I, you know, the ultimate deal is for the team. So, uh, sure. Everybody understood. And, you know, that's cool that they were able to, to um, give, give you credit for going one, one there. And, you know, at the same time, like, 
and I even said it on social media, but, um, you know, Chad's hard fought efforts, you know, um, weren't going to get enough coverage for how hard he fought throughout the whole day. You know, Joel there in the second moto, you had to fight all the way through. You finished it off. You had one, one Thomas said that he had to pull three tear offs the whole weekend. So that kind of shows how his went. and, Chad fought his ass off. It seemed like from the beginning of the very first moto all the way through. So, um, again, like it just, I don't even know that. I mean, even us here, like, isn't it's still, I feel like it's underselling how much effort Chad you had to put into sealing that thing for the team. Yeah. I mean, uh, Thomas and I kind of joked around about it, uh, being, like last year, he carried the number one plate. He had all sorts of issues. He crashed a couple times and broke a chain. And this year, I crashed a couple times and had to battle from the back and like just had a carnage of a weekend personally. But we were able to, you know, regain our composure and finish these races off. And like even, you know, at the end of the race, like, um, like Harv came up to me, he's like, Chad, like they're gonna DQ you. I'm like, well, what for? He's like, you cut the track. I'm like, okay, well, um, uh, I was like, well, I just made a decision that was the best decision. Instead of going down the track backwards, I was gonna just roll over the track and get back on at the soonest, like safest spot. But they have different rules there that. If you do cut the track at all, you are DQ'd. And, I mean, they decided that was what I did. So we had to eat that. But at the end of the day, it didn't didn't matter to our score that we were dropping that one. But, you know, it's it's a – we called it a good, hard lesson that did not affect us in our overall score as a team. So I was okay with that. I felt like – uh, I felt like I felt upset about it because I knew that I felt like I made a good decision, but that's, it's their rules. We play by their rules and, you know, that's a good, good way to learn a lesson that there, we can't do that at all. So. Okay. Um, yeah, because I knew watching it that, and I knew when it happened and I thought, okay, Chad cut the track a tiny little bit. You could tell, like, you couldn't go backwards or you could have went backwards. That would have been the only other option. But cut across the track so little, and you were in the back of the pack and losing time, and people were passing you and stuff. Um, Like I said, I saw it happen. I didn't think anything was going to come of it. And then, so you got to third. So it was Joel, and then, what's that guy's name? Mike, Mike Van Grinsven or something. And then Chad finishes third. Well, then after the fact, I see something that didn't have you listed in the top five. So I'm like, oh, it's probably a typo. And then I saw, then I saw more, and you still weren't in the top top five listed riders. So I'm like, okay, um, you know. Then before we come on here tonight, I learned that you were DQ'd, and um, so yeah, you know, it's one of those things where um, nobody's probably plotting against you i know that that's the that's like the case in some of those other events um like ponte vu and stuff but um yeah like they're really strict on the rules so obviously like you mentioned you learned this lesson it didn't affect you 
but uh, it's definitely not something that you're going to let happen again. So, yeah, that's for certain. And like uh, how hard I worked that moto and then for them to tell me that I was DQ'd at like, I was just kind of over it. Like, I was like, man, all right. <laughs> like, we won. It kind of ruined our, like, my celebration with the team because, you know, just the, after the fact. But, you know, I just sat down on the podium when they started playing our national anthem. And that really, like, set me to be like, man, we did as a team. And, you know, it didn't matter individually at all. It never does. So that was that was a turning point for me just to get over that moto. So, yeah, I think that you had a lot to, I mean, all of you, like you are a representation of all of us here in the, in the States, you know, when you go do something like this. So first of all, that moto was never going to count. Um, you know, so what, it doesn't even matter what the results say because everybody saw you got third and you know that we all know that like what happened to you is a disadvantage, not an advantage. So again, it doesn't matter. And then like the way, your effort and showing that like just the way that you represent all of us here, all three of you with the way that you handled yourselves all weekend. Cause everybody was battling adversity. It seemed like at some time, um, you know, it was really impressive. So, you know, with that, like, you know, the, the three Pete was completed. The lowest possible score for the weekend was achieved. And, you know, um, like you said, and you guys had stated to me in previous times, we've talked about this, but, when they play the national anthem and you see all that patriotism and um, you know, you see the red, white, and blue and our flag. And that's like something that I think even in our day-to-day lives here, like maybe we take for granted what that represents and stuff and the freedom and everything that, you know, those colors and that flag and everything shows. But when you're halfway across the world and you earned the right to have your national anthem played, our national anthem played, like you guys got to just feel like gladiators, like, like true world champions. It's got to be the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, this year they, they basically presented our awards. They said our names and then like everybody's cheering. And before like anybody stopped cheering, they instantly uh, started playing the national anthem. And to me, it was the coolest thing is that, you know, to hear the national anthem playing, Chad said, you know, he's teared up. Jeffrey tearing up last year. Um, to me, like we're in the middle of celebrating on all three of us immediately set our trophies down, pull our hats off and go silent. And then the whole crowd goes silent. like, I mean, almost immediately. And it, for all those other countries to respect, you know, respect us in that way, because some of the other national anthems, they don't necessarily get quiet for and stuff like that. And then to see the way we did it and for them to all follow our lead, just awesome. And then, you know, this huge crowd and the silence and the national anthem blaring through was, it was super cool. And it's, you can't, you can't describe it in words. Uh, you know, the Ford family made it out there and Robin was talking after he's like, y'all talked about this race a ton, but said, until you go, you don't, you can't even, I mean, I thought it was cool. She's like, but I had no clue what, how this goes, how much like USA this is like just, country pride and like what it means to win like, super it's one of a it's an amazing feeling and i think uh, i've heard chad say it and i'm sure joel's same is any year that i get chosen i will go to represent our country as long as i'm the best rider to go i think that's key and i i think we should send the best three every year who that is 
and we need to go there to win, and so that way we can keep that national anthem playing at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Ahead, Joel. Oh, I was just gonna say it. Really, it it does it hits you when the national anthem um, starts playing. You know, you really feel the emotions from the weekend, and uh, you know everything's done. Everything's you, you've accomplished what you went there for. Um, everything paid off. All the work during the season, you know, raising the funds and all the work from uh, you know the guys under the tent, the team, and everyone. It's just like that's what everyone goes for is. Um, to be standing in the center of that box and hear your national anthem playing. It's, uh, it's truly an amazing feeling and definitely honored to be a part of it. So it's a, uh, you know, great feeling. Do you want to touch on it, Chad? Yeah. I mean, uh, I really struggled this year with, you know, once they started playing the national anthem, we got really emotional and like, I mean, it really, I mean, last year too. I mean, I was just sitting there singing it to myself and singing it out loud and did the same thing this year. And it really hit me, like, really had to put a huge workload effort into it. And, you know, it definitely, definitely got me. So I was, I'm very proud of what we did as a team, you know, and, you know, personnel that, you know, under the tent. I mean, Nate being my mechanic, he didn't get paid a dime to really do this. And, uh, you know, Kent, um, Brandon, Mark, Harv, Brian, you know, everybody, like my dad coming out, my, my family, and everybody that really came out that supported this event. And even though they, they might be just you know, friends of ours, but, you know, we were there as one. And that's what's so special is we're halfway across the world. and we still have family and friends there supporting us and enjoying the moment with us. And that was very special. Yeah. Again, the way you guys go about it, the way you guys handle yourselves, the way that you guys compete at the highest level, like across the board, everything you guys do and all the people that you bring with you, um, you know, you make us so proud and the re in the way that you represent us is the reason why so many people are there to support you and support you all year long and stuff like that. So it, it speaks for itself. Like the support that you guys get is 100% deserved and, and then some. So, um, you know, you guys achieved it. The three Pete, we were sitting there in in July and, um, you know, that was still even late in the stages cause you guys work all year long to make this happen. But, you know, we were sitting there and you were, you know, the team had been announced and the hope was to uh, go there and win the thing. And then, you know, maybe as a, as a side, you know, objective was to get the, the perfect score. And again, you guys traveled across the world and you guys did that. So, uh, you know, congrats again. And it was, it was, it was amazing. So um, before we, I want to go into our, the last segment here of fan questions. Before we do that though, you know, we've covered a ton about the event, but I know from past years over time, some untold stories have, you know, come out. So is there any that you haven't shared yet that come to mind about sharing of this one or have we pretty much covered it all? Um, maybe covered about most of it. And, you know, like after the event, like, uh, like Joel, and like his family, they they had to bounce out and go catch a flight. So like the celebration was short and sweet for them. 
and like we we create friends over there and uh, a lot of people that we really got to know from going over the last three years and like team ireland's like we've really created a good friendship with the riders over there and also the people that help their team and um, they ended up showing up later that night we kind of celebrated a little bit and you know make jokes and bench race a little bit so that's always fun and um, I was actually in bed and they show up and I get back up and I start carrying on with them and having fun and those guys you know they like to party a lot and I was pretty I was pretty hurt with my legs so I really wasn't uh, <laughs> really wasn't in the mood I just want to lay down and rest but um, you know when people like that come over I mean it didn't didn't hesitate to get up and enjoy the moment with them. They, they go a long way too to, to get to that event. And we only get to see them once, maybe twice a year if that. So always fun. And uh, yeah. And we started playing a lot of uh, Patriot patriotic music and you know, that's, that's very fun. And uh, like Nate Hibbs, you know, he came as my mechanic. So he's always a really a riot and he brought, you know his uh his, his uh extra speakers and stuff like that and you know we really had a good time and just celebrating as a team and definitely mo one of the more quiet nights that we've had i think last year was definitely the loudest night we've ever had so yeah it was it was fun well that's good yeah to kind of i would say to kind of mention on that one uh i i don't know y'all knows but i want to give a shout out while he was talking about people that came out that night people we've met over the years is uh i call him uncle albert it's what his uh, instagram handle is i think uncle albert five but uh i just got a message from him today but he's from the uk and man he's a huge supporter of ours he comes over and but he actually broke his femur at the western beach race this year so we got to give him a shout out but dude, that dude is uh heck he came to our test day like he showed up there a week early just to make sure that he got to hang out with everybody as long as he could him and his wife and Met some other cool people. There's people from other countries that are just carrying around USA flags. Uh, uh, there's one gentleman, I can't remember his name. Uh, I ended up getting him a jersey on the weekend because I saw him in that last moto cheering Chad and Joel on every lap. And then come find out is he had messaged like like Brandy or something, like saying like, oh, we're coming just to see the U.S. And that dude, you would have thought he was American, but I'm not sure exactly where he's from, but he uh, – Man, he, he killed it. And there were so many people like uh, – Brady just pulled up his Instagram handle, but it's uh, Diego Freira. And, man, that guy, like I said – but there was tons of them like that, so I'm not trying to exclude anybody. But those two guys uh, come stick to mind in my head is that they stuck out and they came there. And it shows that, you know, this race is very cool in that way as we get to expand our fan, our fan base. But not only expand our fan base, but expand just the love of ATV motocross. Yeah, it's awesome. It shows the impact that you guys have uh, have too across the world. So, Joel, I don't want to cut you off if you will have anything to say. But uh, no, not not much other than uh, to you know speedy recovery for Uncle Al. He was a pretty pretty fun character over the weekend. I mean, in Germany, uh, it was my first time meeting him, and he was just a, a character in itself. I mean, super fun guy. We had our own, we made up a handshake. Well, a handshake he had already known and. Um, he taught me it, and that was like the, the his favorite thing to do every time he saw me. So, um, yeah, we created a, a nice little friendship, and he gave me a 
a little souvenir to go home with and uh, I gave him some stuff as well so there's just there's a ton of guys like Thomas is saying over there that, that really support us and, and they travel a long way to see us and you know it's kind of a bummer we don't have more of our you know jerseys that we wear at home to give out like I, I honestly dropped the ball and forgot to bring a bunch of that stuff but I wish I did because a lot of them guys, the racers um, from other countries, they want to swap jerseys and the, the fans. It's just like you want to give something to everyone just because they never get to see you. And um, but we, you know, we signed a lot of posters and took a lot of pictures. So I think that'll that'll hold them off till next year. Yeah, it's uh, you know here for the ATV motocross community, you're relatively um, accessible, and for them, obviously, you're not. It's a once a year thing. So. Um, probably surreal for some of them to see you guys especially like like you guys said coming halfway across the world so um but again you guys deserve all that coverage and that's just a uh or that fandom and that's just a byproduct of uh you know you yourselves as athletes but yourselves as as people too so um yeah well deserved so we'll transition to the very last segment i got you know, literally hundreds of fan questions. I tried to handpick, you know, kind of the best ones here. Um, so to our listeners, like, I'm sorry, you know, I can't ask them all. Obviously there's so many, but um, from the ones I picked, we're going to give away um, a team USA hat courtesy of SSI decals. So after we go through some of these, I'll let you guys pick which one kind of stands out as the best one to you guys. And um you know, you guys can each kind of touch on these or, you know, if somebody just feels passionate that they want to take one, you know, that's fine too. So, um, but first, before I ask the fan questions, I kind of have one for you guys. Um, it's a question that I proposed to Melina, who was the podium girl there, um, when, after she reached out, but I wanted to hear kind of what you guys thought about how you're received and I guess you kind of answered that a little bit already but how you're received from not only the European fans but the other riders you know um do they does it feel like they kind of look up to you or is it like just kind of how are you received by by the Europeans in general um I ultimately overall I think we're received very well Uh, I will say like each year it's been different is the first year it was received as that nobody was going to be able to touch us. And then last year, I remember hearing a lot more. It felt like we had a lot of confidence. And then this year, it was kind of somewhere in between. And like, the first year was like, all right, we're going there. And it's like they kind of put us ahead of them. And then last year, they thought they had us. And But in this year, it just felt like a race. Like, as far as with the other riders, you need to talk to the ones that do get to speak English. Uh, it's... I think it's overall received. I don't see any hatred towards us by no means. A lot of the riders are very cool. Uh, we get to talk to a lot of them. I wish we could hang more of them. And I will say, it's like this year, like on the line, I was looking at walk past two riders. Like I don't talk to a lot of them because I don't know who knows English. And like, I don't want to be rude and try to say something and then not be able to understand. And these two guys, like they were talking and somehow I got joined in their conversation, but Legitimately was down the line talking with two guys. I I don't even know names or numbers or anything like that, but they uh it, it was like a normal race and everybody was super respectful and there to do their jobs. That's awesome. Anybody else got want to touch on it or we'll go on to the next one? Yeah, I feel like uh I mean there's never ever 
any sort of like disrespect or anything like that. Like obviously these guys want to race us and they want to try and beat us, which that's part of racing. That's what it is. You know, you just don't lay down for somebody. So, you know, in that aspect, yeah. I mean, it's, it's no different than any other race. These guys are very, very good at what they do. I believe that like we, as us going there is really raising their level to of racing to another level. And like a lot of riders every year, it seems like there's a new rider that pops up that's riding very well and very close to our pace. And I believe that if they just figure out the keeping that pace the whole race, it's going to be very, very interesting very soon. So it's, it's very cool to see the the level being raised and, you know, it's exciting to go ride, go race with new people. And every year it's a new track for us. You know, it's a track that we've never ridden at. So that's always cool. And, you know, just, there's always respect and that's, that's very important to us. For sure. Yeah. It's gotta be, um, it's gotta be a pretty cool feeling too, that, uh, that you guys are the ones that are elevating, you know, you got to, you guys got to credit yourselves to elevating the game because they're not exposed to that kind of speed over there if you guys don't show up. So um, that's got to be pretty impressive. So we'll go to Joel. We'll let you answer this next one here. And then if, if one of the other guys wants to touch on it afterwards. But um, so Melina there asked an array of questions, and one of which was after these past three Quad Cross of Nations events, what's your overall thought on the events as a whole, the atmosphere and the fans? And we touched on it a little bit. So um, also, you know, how did number three compare to the first two? Um, well, it'd be difficult for me to answer the whole question, but someone else can jump in after I'm done. Um, from the events I've been to, Italy and Germany, Italy was uh, really well done. I mean, we had a, a pretty cool press conference that made us feel like superstars. Um, the the atmosphere there was it was bumping. Honestly, they had a band playing music they had girls dancing uh, i mean there was there was just a really cool atmosphere um chainsaws during the races flags everywhere horns and uh you know don't get me wrong they did it this year too in germany they had um you know they had a lot of a lot of fans with a lot of costumes on uh bells and horns and you know flags waving so um in that aspect it's a lot it's it's much different than at home um i think they kind of the fans really get into it over there. And there was, it was stacked full of fans. It looked like on the videos to me. And even when we were there, we signed a ton of autographs. So um, it was definitely a good turnout. And, you know, this year was different um, than Italy. It was, I don't know if the pits were as popping, I guess you could say as Italy was, I don't have any idea about Denmark, but you know, this year was kind of calm throughout the pits, but it was, it was nice. It was normal. I mean, it was just like the nationals. There's not loud music or anything. And, you know, there was not much announcing going on. It was just kind of a, a calm race weekend, but uh, yeah, someone fill in Denmark. Yeah. Uh, I, I can fill in Denmark there. Denmark kind of between the two, fill a couple chainsaws and stuff. We didn't get to see any chainsaws this weekend, which uh, uh, kind of bummed me out. That's probably the coolest things, but overall, this year and last year, it was in Germany and Denmark, were pretty similar. As far as pits, the crowd were huge at both, crosses at both. But Italy definitely set the stage high. Um, like I said, from the press conference, I think Friday or Thursday, to the chainsaws, to loud music, they brought speakers in, playing sticks and 
I think that Italy definitely set the bar high. It's the their their entertainment there was high. Uh, I believe the night activities of the last two have been better, but obviously we're participating in the nighttime activities. So I can't comment on that part. But as far as during the day, Italy tops the cake as far as the atmosphere at the race. But even these last two are huge, and just the how much the crowd gets into it, I guess, would be the key point to that every fan is into it. And I don't know if all the races are that way or just this race, but I mean, you know the guys from UK because they're all in they're either onesie suit that's their flag or they're pin like a like a red pants British flag. But they're all you know where they're at at all times, and then you, you can tell each country. So that part's pretty cool. But yeah, as far as each year goes, uh, it's 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 a very good atmosphere every time. But I would like I said, off the cake. Chad, overall thoughts on the event? Uh, yeah, I mean, like what they said, Italy was off the charts. Like it was, they set the bar really high, and the track by far was the best one that we've ridden to. And um, yeah, I mean, nothing to take away from the other places. They just do things differently, and they had their own unique way of uh, making the event special. So I feel like you know, every year we're going to experience experience something different, and that's what that's what's exciting you know you never know what it's going to be like and uh that's what you know keeps us coming back to go out and try to compete against the world and uh trying to keep bringing back championships awesome awesome yeah i think it's uh you know obviously you guys are grateful for the event you made that clear so um definitely definitely approved to her question so spoiler alert this is my favorite question of them all all but um isaiah asks who would you guys pick as your three-man B team for Team USA if you guys uh, chose not to go or could not go? Wow. <laughs> tough question. Yeah. I'll, I'll second that. Is that uh, the B team, man, that'd be hard to choose. Is if you did the B team like the dirt bikes do, you don't choose your B riders. You would choose – like Team Puerto Rico would be – most times people that would never get the opportunity to ride for Team U.S., but here in recent years between Alex Martin and Zach Osborne, they have changed what uh, you can do in a career. But, man, I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, well, I mean, it is a tough question, but three riders that I would pick, depending – like, I, if I'm going, then I don't want to pick that someone that potentially could beat us, obviously, because that would be stupid. Um, but I want them to do fairly well being, you know, from us and everything. So, uh, three riders that could compete. I think you could do, you could definitely do an a rider. I think a pro am and a pro sport. I mean, they're potentially same riders, pro sport and pro am, but probably pick a pro rider too. Um, man, I got, I got you. All right. Go, uh, if you went for this year, you go with your pro sport pro am winner Bryce. Okay. Go with like your one of your A class winners, Michael Allred. Okay. And then you could go with like uh, like Zach Decker, who would be moving up if it was to go in the year. Yeah. Two of those riders were there supporting us this year, so that kind of makes it a little easier to. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you kind of get their foot in the door there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could. 
What's that? Like go with some class champions. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, I would. Think, I would in my, I would definitely pick Bryce. I think, um, just because I think he'd be fun to watch over there. Maybe uh, pick my uh, my pick for the second rider. I think like Grayson, just because he's my teammate for one, and I think he'd have fun over there, and I think he'd do good just because he has like a a pace for the entire race, you know, like he starts at one pace and he'll finish at that pace. And then a third rider. Um, no, I definitely think if we weren't doing like a pro, I think Decker's a really good pick because that would be interesting to see how he did over there, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. It's, it's a interesting take. Um, you know, so it's, it's dependent too on how you take B team because, you know, sometimes they say like if the first batch of riders just doesn't choose to go, um, you know, then you call it the B team, you know what I mean? So yeah. if that's the case, then you're definitely going to pick Jeffrey for sure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would still maybe put Bryce in there because of what he did in pro-am and then, you know, then you're splitting hairs between, you know, Nick Janusa, Brandon Hogue, one of those other guys. So interesting take. Chad, do you have any thoughts on on who you'd send as a B team there? Well, I just kind of just hung up on the whole conversation. I didn't want to answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered wondered if that was the case. (laughs) No, uh, man, like, how about this? We talk about B team. Man, like, obviously, yeah. I mean, you go with, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth. I mean, yes, you have some youngsters that have some really good talent, but maybe they don't have the experience of racing these long motos that we do already in the pro class. So it's, that'd be a very tough decision just in general, but um, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement, you know, with Jeffrey, you know, Janusa and, you know, it'd be a toss up for the third rider. I mean, I feel like riders shined a lot towards the end of the year, like with Hogan. Um, you know, you had riders, you know, in the beginning of the year uh, that, you know, came on strong too. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be a toss-up for that third third spot, I think, for sure. Yeah, yeah I just – it was an interesting maybe, question. Hold on, hold on. Maybe, maybe you would just go with uh, guys – that maybe maybe like a Walker Fowler or Chris Borch for these conditions that we rode in, wow. you know, because they are. They're- whoa, whoa! Don't don't send those guys because they might go faster than us and like, <laughs> might beat us. No, like so, like the track that we rode on, we're straight ruts the whole freaking way, and that's what they ride in. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting take. I didn't foresee that going there. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, like I was saying, it's uh, interesting just to think about as a, as a uh, hypothetical there. So um, yeah, that was interesting. So Eliza asks, is there anything that you would change about the team setup or how you guys go about the whole process? Any changes that you could make? Uh, personally, I mean, I think not, you know, not even personally, I think everyone will agree. We're going to bring a heater. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we will be okay. Other than that, everything else works great. We're on three peat. It's got to be working somewhat good. Just need a heater. Joel, we've we've offered the heater for the last like two years, and we still haven't got it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this well, year being below freezing, maybe, 
maybe it'll, it'll make it happen this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ice on the roof. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the one thing I would request is a hard pack track every other year at least. <laughs> would be nice. Yeah, I I can agree. Did you guys? So I, I guess I was going to ask this uh, a little bit later on, but do you guys know? Where, like, when do you know where the next one is going to be? Like, how soon do you find out or whatever? Well, from what I've heard, uh, just rumors maybe, the next one's in the Netherlands, and they claim it's really sandy too. Like, I was literally maybe, just – I was just going to say as soon as you said Netherlands, I'm like, okay, well, there's a beach race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're already in for i guess but you know maybe the year after they say is in france and it's going to be hard packed so we'll look forward to that <laughs> yes i i think that's right i they well we found out every year at the event we find out the next year's track oh, okay we find the date um but this year i will say i'm pretty like it's pretty sure that it's in holland next year or the netherlands i'm not sure what the difference is um I heard the year after that's France, so. So France could be hard-packed. Yeah, that'd be. be nice. But I don't know how we get any deeper of ruts. Like, I'm honestly I'm <laughs> nervous when they say it's going to be ruttier. I, I don't know how it gets ruttier. You know, there's somebody somebody behind the scenes is like a puppeteer trying to find the most anti-American track that there is. Well, it's, it's weird because. It's like, it's like slowly getting a little sandier every year. It definitely is. Uh, Mike Van Grinsen, he's from Holland, the Netherlands, and uh, he said it's not as bad as everyone's making it out to be. So we might, you know, show up and it, it, it could be sandy, but not terrible. But he could be just saying that so we don't even, you know, we don't think twice about it. I don't know. You mean the guy that's on the CRFQ with 23s all the way around is the one telling you it's not that bad? That's him. Okay. I'm just making sure that we're all on the same page that. There might be some misleading there. It could be, could be. So it seems what, like a nice guy. Yeah. So, so at what, at nice what point? At what point does do you guys pull enough strings to get Max's CST to make you some sweet twenty-three inch tires? <laughs> I'm. I mean, at some points they are good when you get to that point, but man, I don't know how the bike would handle. Like it can't handle like normal. No. It's so. T- uh, it's so high. Yeah, I, I know Max has it. What? I cut you off. Say it again. Oh, I was saying our bikes handle good. Like, yeah, the ruts are deep and it's nasty, and we're getting through it. I mean, like we get through it good. I see people get hung up more than we do, but man, I like the way we can go through the rough. I don't know if they, I, I don't know if those tires can, like, if they don't bounce too much. I, it's hard to say. I, I, I know we have good tires. I know our setups are working. I don't know if we need to change anything. No, I was just, I was totally just joking too, because I don't even know, given the, given the choice that you'd want to run something like that, because it's going to be so foreign. Um, but yeah, that's uh, funny to think about. So probably like a third of the questions, honestly, were about Joel's hybrid. So um, yeah, like no, not even joking. So talk about. Yeah, so talk about the choice to ride the hybrid, um, and if, you know, you ultimately, I mean, you did well, so it probably was the right choice, but talk about that, and um, talk about, 
you know, how was it relatively stock and you can kind of talk about that. So talk about yeah. that. Uh, yeah, the hybrid was relatively stock. It was mapped um, and dynoed and it make, made really good horsepower, um, you know, very comparable to the TRX being stock. So I was already, you know, impressed um, riding Grayson's race bike, which was, it, it was built, but, you know, leading up to the race, I rode it a bunch. And I'm like, wow, this thing's wicked. And I was kind of curious to see how the stock one would be. And when I got there and rode it, it was, uh, it was about perfect power. And the gear ratio was so much different that I could run that first gear starts. And it felt like I was going um, on a second gear start on a TRX. So it actually worked out. It pulled that first gear really long. And I was in, you know, I don't think I hit fifth the entire weekend. Just it's a, it's a different machine, a different motor, not a different machine, just a different motor. And that motor makes a, it makes a big difference, but you know, it's also comparable. Um, I think it, it would have been the same scenario with the TRX motor, but at the same time, you know, we had some issues and we didn't really want to deal with, you know, those issues. So, you know, we put the, the motor that the boys had ran over here in, in the U S all year long and had really good luck with. So that's why we did, you know, went that route. Yeah. I actually got a couple of questions about it too all kinds of people asking if you were going to make that transition for our races, which I just, you know, shot them messages back and said that that's not legal to do. Yet. But um, the one thing that I guess I never thought about until you guys brought up starting in first gear and stuff that, you know, the dirt bike engine obviously has a longer gear ratio. So that had to be an advantage um, for sure. And then just having a motor that you don't have to have, you know, tuned right to, you know, the edge. Yeah um yeah to survive those kind of conditions that's an advantage in itself for sure yeah it, it definitely was it was it was easy to ride and it it was lighter up front being with the motor a little bit further back and and the motor is lighter so i think being lighter up front really helped for that style of track honestly like i you know i got on the throttle and could pick the front end up through uh through most of that stuff and it, it didn't really wear me out as much as me yanking the bike yeah, that makes total sense. Um, I also got a bunch of questions or a handful of questions of people asking if uh, the two Yamaha boys considered putting a dirt bike motor in. Um, I don't think that that's anything that you guys were focused on or thinking about or anything like that. I think you guys got a pretty good setup, but uh, either you want to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, I never considered it. My my bike runs oh, awesome. I mean, this year I've we found a lot of power in my bike and it's i'm super happy with it so we were going to stick with the most uh reliable you know comfortable setting that we have yeah not didn't make any sense to reinvent the wheel for sure yeah especially for one event it doesn't make sense for us to do that and like especially for me being uh supported by yamaha racing and uh, they want us obviously to run the production machine that, you know, they, they have a lot of pride in and it's won me six championships on. So I know, no intention to go down that road. <laughs> Definitely. I, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me too, is that uh, wouldn't be a good luck for Yamaha to have you putting a dirt bike motor and an ATV chassis. But um I wanted you guys to have a chance to say it because it's got more validity if you say it rather than I. So um, 
Moving on to the next question here. Austin asks, um, did, do you guys ever worry about your machines getting lost or the box not showing up for the event? Um, yes. Yeah. And uh, I guess the biggest thing this year was we didn't have the container until Wednesday. So I guess the getting lost, I believe everything's insured pretty heavily. Granted, I do not want to lose a race bike, but the uh, it not showing up in time is the biggest worry because we've invested a lot of money. We'll all be over there, and it doesn't show up. Which, like I said, it cut it way closer than anybody liked this year to uh, that possibly happening. So that, that's a big worry. I know uh, Baldwin is the is ahead of all that. I know he worries quite a bit about uh, making sure that container gets there on time. Oh wow! I never even uh, I didn't I didn't know that it was that close to being in doubt. Yeah, and shoot, they they held it and it showed up a week before them, but something was going on in customs. And I mean, anybody that's gone through customs in an airport, you know that they work on their own time. So I can't imagine a shipping container sitting in a port somewhere. Uh, they we just had to wait for it to clear customs, and it's it's just a waiting game. And luck cleared out like monday afternoon so we were allowed to get it you know it started getting shipped like actually got on truck tuesday oh my goodness i that's crazy um yeah anybody else have any comments or is that pretty good yeah that was good i mean everyone's obviously worried and with that extra you know tension building it kind of makes you think well i hope it comes because i really want to race the race but it's a little good a little too close for comfort exactly Good thing is, is had to. Me and Chad had a lot of experience on stock bikes this year. We just need to go to the dealership, pick up a couple. We're gonna spend it. <laughs> it would, it I would alert. Yeah, and it would have been uh, would have passed uh, sound real easy. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> um, okay, I got the last one here. This was one of the most asked questions, um, asking if the event would ever be, you know take place here in the States. My take on this is obviously that it's a European event. Um, and most of those teams probably won't have the ability or the means to get all their equipment here. So, um, I don't think anybody should be holding their breath that, uh, the quad cross of nations is going to come to the States. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. Very correct. Uh, I would agree. It'd be, be amazing, but it's not anywhere in the near future. No, I, again, I wanted you guys to have a kind of a opportunity just to, just to uh, kind of tell people that, but um, I know when we first did the live show, one of you talked about the history of the event and wasn't it called the European something? Yeah. It's called yeah. the European yeah. Quad Cross of Nations. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And about five years ago, six years ago, they finally opened it up to other countries. And that's when we gotcha. started getting a buzz about it. Yeah. Gotcha. So again, um, it's not going to make its way here, but I think that, that, I mean, would it be cool? Yeah. But you wouldn't have the same kind of turnout for it. And it's still as cool. If, I mean, there's no bitterness but it's still like us against the world, which is a really cool concept. So um, kind of to incorporate some of those questions, I got this one too a lot is hypothetically, if the America was the host nation, what track would you want to see hold the event? Red Bull. That's the hmm. one I thought too, but. 
Yeah, I could, I could agree with Redbud. Um, he definitely could uh, make it happen for us like he did the MXON, and I think it'd just be a raceable track like like we would need. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to think outside the box and not pick the same one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Red Blood's my favorite track to go to all year. And I think uh, also, like, Texas would be a pretty cool track with how big the jumps are there, too. Yeah, what about thinking, what about thinking trying to make those guys ride hard-packed, though? Yeah. Unadilla. Send them. <laughs> Unadilla. They'd be in trouble. Yeah. Or we go bring, to, we, we, bring your big tires to Unadilla and see how that works. <laughs> Not happening. Yeah. If we go to take them to Southwick, they'd be in heaven. Yeah. That's that's their style of a hard pack track. Yeah. <laughs> big jumps hard packed with the Iron Man. That could be pretty interesting. There you go. I was going to ask too. I was like, do you guys, and maybe this never crosses your mind, but can you imagine having some real obstacles, like real jumps on a track like that? And just, I don't know. I don't even know how to say it, but watching you guys race that track and you're killing it obviously. And you dominated the event and whatever, but it's like, you couldn't showcase like what you're truly capable of on in certain aspects. That, am I like in the right train of thought uh, there a little bit? Yeah. 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 I thought so. I thought if, I mean, you don't even have, didn't even have any jumps to show a little style on or, you know, or scrub or whip. I mean, there wasn't really any of that. I get what you're saying at Cody. We kind of look like goons and I think you're trying to. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's no, it's he's, no. he's talking it's just that team trying to sit it, trying to get rid of us already. Yep. <laughs> He's kind of, he's already upset we didn't pick him to go over. That's what I know now. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's it's just that type of track, and I wish we had something different to, you know, like you said, throw some style. And I think they'd really be amazed for if they came to Ironman and raced it or just watched because it's it's a whole different, you know, ball game over here with the jumps and just how our tracks get. Well, you think it, back it was- to that, not to interrupt, but you think back to that first year and the way that you guys talked about – throwing it around on the Italy track, you know, and uh, you haven't kind of had a chance to do that since then. So Thomas, you can pick up where, where you left off there. Yeah. I was just about to say that Italy did have some jumps. None of them were big per se, but they did have some jumps where we could throw it sideways and in the technical side, but yeah, there hasn't been a jump over there. That's been like, Oh, I don't know if we're going to take that or like big. I mean, granted, we don't have any of those either, but pretty much over there, everything's uh smaller tabletop there was this really small table table i got advised uh, team captain told me not to jump <laughs> but uh i was gonna send it anyways as long as the rut didn't come in rut came in really tight and it was muddy so but uh, team captain's orders was i was not allowed to hit. <laughs> yeah that, that jump had no no chance written all over it in those That's, this is this controversy right here is why Thomas didn't tell you that he started in second. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Joel thought I could make it too. He said, he said, I think we got it. I, yeah, I was I was on his team. I was like, you could make it. I'll watch you do it, and then I swear I'll try it. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a normal Joel Hedrick statement. 
No, it, it it could have been doable. It just wasn't doable when we were there. I mean, they they just didn't touch up them lips as pretty as we wanted to. Hold on. <laughs> Did you say it doesn't sound like a Joel statement to let somebody else hit it first? He comes by and asks me if I'm going to hit something every time. Oh, really? It makes it better than I did. Well, this is just yeah, this is just the bystander in me <laughs> saying this. So Thomas is claiming Joel. If Joel's the self-proclaimed uh, Joel's the self-proclaimed whole shot king, Thomas is the self-proclaimed crash test dummy. <laughs> then there's Captain America. <laughs> I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the, the cautious one. <laughs> yeah, we know. Um, yeah, so that's funny. So you guys got a favorite question of those, uh, whether it be the B team, B team asking about the event, the B team, any changes to the team setup? Um, we got too think, many, too many about the hybrid to make it down to one. I think like the most interesting one to me was the 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 team thing, like picking a different team. That always seems fun to me, just kind of you know theoretically picking. At, at Team Puerto Rico, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Everybody in, uh, everybody in agreement there. We'll give Isaiah mm-hmm. this uh, this Team USA hat. Let him rep for you guys. Yeah, yeah with that, I think it's uh, it's it was a fun question. Trying to make sure like you you don't hurt anybody's feelings. So like like we said, Team Puerto Rico is different than B Team because. You know, obviously, you go fourth, fifth, and sixth for B team, but exactly. Yeah, I'm glad that everybody kind of approached it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, it was good that everybody approached it a little differently, and uh, the whole podcast thing as a whole, you're always trying to not offend anybody. So, um, I totally get that. But um, yeah, guys, with that, he's going to get an SSI decals hat. Um, again, uh, Team USA hat there, representing you guys, and. Um, yeah, I mean that's all I got. You know, we covered we covered just about every angle at this thing that we possibly could. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to say or share to our listeners here? Um, I think I just want to say uh, big thanks to the whole team group. Um, you know, hopefully they're listening. But Harv, Mark, Kent, um, you know, Brandon, my mechanic, Nate, Brian. Uh, just the whole the whole list that the, you know the girls there doing their work and selling Team USA apparel and posters and hats and everything like that like it, it wasn't um, an enjoyable weekend you know other than the racing and the winning part it was miserable it was cold I mean they everyone worked their butt off including the riders and you know I'd like to thank them too just for putting it all out on the track and you know I'm just honored to be a part of Team USA and you know if you know whatever route they go for next year um obviously picking the best best riders is the way to go and if i'm not one of them i'll definitely still support and uh you know always be a fan of team usa yeah i've followed up you know the the team itself is you know harv mark uh my dad uh, brian nate brandon those guys got up early every morning got to the track and then the ladies all did their parts in their own ways and selling stuff. I mean, Joel hit on the head and uh, all the families that came over to support us. I also want to give a big shout out to all the riders that helped with the riding schools and the tracks that did that stuff. The, uh, everybody participated in the riding schools, you know, the fellow pro riders that helped it. Uh, I mean, just everybody supports it. All the sponsors that are on there, you know, it, tons of people are sponsoring team USA that aren't any one of our, or all three of our, 
the individual sponsors. They don't all match up, and these people still come and support all of us to get us over there. Man, it's it's huge, and, you know, my hat's off to Chad and Joel. Absolutely amazing riding that last moto from both of them. Uh, you know, they they were there all weekend, and, and it's uh, – you know, the list just goes on and on. This the huge event. It's a huge part of it. I will say is, especially after talking to a few people from this year, is next year if you're a family in the sport and you can afford to go over as like a family vacation, the event itself is amazing. Yes, this year being cold and rainy sucked, but I everybody I talked to absolutely had a blast over there. You need to see it. It's one of a kind event. So, you know, just thanks to everybody. Uh, Huge deal. Uh, I look, hopefully I'm in the top three fastest next year and get to participate again. And, you know, it's it's a true honor. And like I said, we should always send the top three and go there to win and keep representing because it's uh, as easy as it looked on paper. It is it is not that easy at any point for any rider or for any team member. It, it takes the whole group to make it happen. Yeah, like, uh, like for me. Um, one guy that we really forgot about was Sergio was he's mm. a huge part of us going to the test day on the day that we got there with a the container. He made lunch for us. Like Sergio does a lot for our team. He's from Italy and man, like he, he's just a ATV enthusiast that loves it. And we're blessed to have him help us get around. And he's, monumental of us getting there so huge props to him obviously our team everybody that you know joel and thomas mentioned and um yeah i mean i think the women really pulled a lot like uh my wife getting like the the sleeping arrangements the house the food um you know brandy you know doing a lot of the a lot of the instagram and getting everybody for the schools and um, you know, it's just a, it's a huge team effort and, you know, for, you know, you know, all the, you know, the whole team just really putting it together and it's really cool to see everybody come together when we're competing against each other all year long and come together as a team. And, you know, it's just really cool to see that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping next year, uh, chosen again to represent Team USA and just be, uh, just be a part of it. And you know, Carly, Danica, you know, dragging the kids around the whole time—that's uh, that's pretty tough work. And dealing with the time change, you know, they they did a lot, you know, on that end too. So it's a big family effort, and you know, it's a really cool experience, and really enjoyed it. And thanks a lot, Cody, for you know, having us on and, you know, it's, uh, it's cool to tell our story. Yeah. Well said guys. I, uh, again, the team effort, um, is amazing. And the way that you again, represent us, um, you know, on behalf of all of ATV motocross and our fans and our whole community here, um, we can't thank you guys enough for everything that you do for us and representing us to the best of your ability. And as long as, you know, you guys are kind of in the mix to represent our team here, we know that we're in, uh, in good hands. So I look forward to, uh, 
managing to get to one of these things, one of these years. And, um, you just, again, you guys make us so damn proud. So I can't thank you enough for everything. Can't thank you enough for joining me here. And, um, it was a hell of an effort in Germany there. Um, team USA's best effort yet for sure. And, uh, yeah, guys, thanks again for digging deep with us and congrats on the win, the three Pete, you guys did it and, uh, just really can't wait for next year. Man, what an awesome experience to hear those guys talk about yet another victory for Team USA at the Quad Cross of Nations. We truly were in the presence of greatness. It was amazing. I have to thank the boys for coming on tonight, Chad Weenan, Thomas Brown, and Joel Hetrick. It was an absolute honor. Thanks to my producer, my brother Dallas, for sitting here next to me and pulling all the strings for the podcast. I couldn't do it without you, D. Thanks to my other half, Taylor Smith, for her amazing graphic design work she does for us. She's fantastic and makes the podcast look probably even better than it really is, so thanks to her. Thanks to our sponsors, CSD Tires, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 4Works Carbon, DP Brakes, 100% and their newer Mega Goggle, Blenders Eyewear, Mountaineer Brand, and Oats Overnight. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us via Patreon if it suits you. Simply visit our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, and click the Support on Patreon button. This contribution will help prompt continued growth and improvement of the show. Perks will be available to those who contribute, and we greatly appreciate it. And remember, guys, we have a voicemail line. No one has won the hat yet. So be the first caller to leave a voicemail telling me what CST stands for, and you'll win a fresh CST Tires podium hat for doing so. You can also use this line to leave us questions, comments, topics, and input anytime. This is your way to be a part of the show, and if you call in, you might just hear yourself on the next episode. That number is 920-569-3519. That's 920-569-3519. I can't wait to hear from you guys. We have a lot of great content on the way that I've been grinding on, so stay tuned for that. The best way to ensure that you won't miss anything going forward here is to subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow the show on social media, the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for behind-the-scenes action when it comes to the podcast and myself personally. From the bottom of my heart, guys, I can't thank you enough for listening. Without you, we wouldn't be doing this. Keep showing your support. I love the screenshots showing that you're listening, so send me those. I'll keep trying to repost them. I love that. And, again, subscribe to the show. Give us a rating. That really helps us. Tell your friends. Share our posts. It all it all truly helps. Congrats again to Team USA. They are the world's best for the third consecutive year. And with that, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da.